We are go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Welcome to Planet 8. I'm your chief engineer, Bob, and with me is reconnaissance officer, Karen. And uh, we're here with a brief message to let you know that we are running some best of Planet 8 episodes. Planet 8 itself is going on a short hiatus, and uh, Karen will explain what's going on there. Thanks, Bob. Uh, yep, we're going to take a, a short break. Unfortunately, we're doing this break because our dear commander, Larry, um, has experienced something none of us want to go through, which is a house fire. Uh, he and his family are all right, but they are out of their home uh, and trying to sort of pick up the pieces right now and figure out what they're going to do. So in this time period when... Um, you know, he's just trying to get his life together and get his uh, family all the stuff they need. Uh, we decided, okay, we're going to take a break because obviously the podcast is about the last thing on his mind right now. So um, with that in mind, as Bob said, we'll do some best of episodes until Larry's able to um, rejoin us. Now, in the meantime, uh, we have set up a GoFundMe for Larry and his family. So if you're so inclined, if you'd like to donate, that would be wonderful because they really, they've basically lost everything. Um, so you can go to either our Facebook page or our Twitter uh, page, and we have links there for the GoFundMe. Uh, if you'd like to donate, that would be marvelous. We'd appreciate the support for him. Um, and uh, yeah, we, uh, we hope to be back soon. Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, if you've seen our sensor sweeps and things and all the items that Larry has shared over the years, uh, that's all gone. The collection's gone, everything. So um, they're basically looking for the, the necessities of life right now. So if you can help out, that would be great. In the meantime, enjoy this best of episode, and we'll try to be back with you live as soon as possible. Enjoy. Thank you. Vampires, werewolves, ghouls, ghosts, mummies that come back to life after 3,000 years. Can such things be? Well, I've spent a lifetime doing my best to persuade you, at least for an hour or two in a darkened theater, that there are things that go bump in the night and raise a lump in your throat, a hard knot of terror. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. By my side, as always, is Chief Engineer Bob in our command center, and circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is our reconnaissance officer, Karen. Today's mission takes us to explore classic universal monsters. We scoured Planet 8 and the known galactic 
universe for an authority who could definitively help us through this episode, and we could not find one. So, in lieu of said uh, guest, we have Lord Bloodraw. Uh-huh. And and I just welcome Lord Bloodraw to Planet Eight. Uh, My Lord, lords and ladies, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, Lord Bloodraw, uh, we're going to give all his information at the end of the show. But um, if if you're not familiar with him by the end of the podcast, you most certainly will be. Uh, just a plethora of information. If you get a chance to catch one of his live shows, I, I highly recommend it. Um, we're going to jump straight into this, Lord Bloodraw. We're talking about. Universal Monsters, the classics. Oh, yes. Do you recall your first viewing of a Universal Monster movie? Where were you? What was it? And, and It was so long ago, but I believe <laughs> it was probably around Halloween time. I was a child, I want to say around 10, 11, and I'm pretty sure it was Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Yes. Because one of the earliest memories I have is that animated beginning. Right. With the monsters walking against the, the moonlit sky and the, just in silhouette. The wolf man and then the bones. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's my earliest memory of the Universal monsters. My earliest memory of them as kind of a phenomenon mm-hmm. was reading um, my cousin's copy of Famous Monsters of Filmland. Uh-huh. With, um, I believe, Bela Lugosi from Mark of the Vampire was on the cover. And um, it just blew me away. I remember sitting there being entranced with this whole world. And then I just caught, you know, as I'm sure anybody living in where, where I am from, the San right. Francisco Bay Area, caught all these films on Bob Wilkins' Creature Features. Right. And um, that just opened up the entire world of Universal Monsters to me. Well, let's kick it over to our chief engineer, Bob. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, and Channel 2 had mm-hmm. uh, the Universal Monster Library. So you'd see it on Creature Features, you'd see it on Chiller Dealer Matinee, mm-hmm. right. and uh, <clears throat> you'd die, you know, even die for dollars every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah. That's right. Pat McCormick in the afternoon, Bob yeah. March in the morning, whatever, they'd be showing movies and calling people and giving yeah. money away. But. Um, you know, I, I want to say the first one I saw might have been Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, uh-huh. and uh, you know, monsters always always fighting each other. That always gets my blood going. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, definitely from there, you know, you want to search out all the different ones. And you know, watching you know Creature Features and Bob Wilkins, you know, he ran those quite a bit. You yeah. Know? So oh, uh, yeah. that's what kind of like set them aside from like the other channels that had like the AIP library or mm-hmm. something else you know two had like Universal and Hammer and all that so you see the Universal versions of the monsters you see mm-hmm. the Hammer versions of the monsters mm-hmm. and uh, yeah I mean it was definitely definitely hooked from there right I remember um, it being a huge deal when the original 1931 Frankenstein yes. played it was like oh this, this is the first <laughs> yeah. one this is the original one this is amazing you know and what a what a captivating film! Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for the it's not only for the time, but just such a such a classic. Just the the direction, the acting, the breakout performance by Karloff as a monster. <laughs> right. Well, plus it's amazing. From there, you know, you see, which I think is the best of all the Universal monster movies, is Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. and just uh, that's a movie I can to this day watch 
over and over anytime right, and, right. and still enjoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's kick it up to the satellite. Karen? Hey, guys. Um, well, similar to you guys, although I grew up in the uh, Central Coast region of California, uh, close to Los Angeles, so we got all the Los Angeles stations, and uh, there are quite a few different uh, channels that did the monster shows. And I'm not sure exactly which was the first uh, that I saw, but my mom was a huge fan of old movies and especially of horror films. Hmm. And so I'm, I have a lot of strong memories of the original Frankenstein and, uh, and just all of those really uh, impressionistic shots of like the monster coming out from the darkness with the light behind him shining and uh, kind of crouching and just uh, sometimes not even particular scenes, but just the angles of his head and things like that. Um, that really stuck with me over the years, and and the thing is, is I never even thought of the the monster uh, as being scary. You know, there was always that element of sympathy, mm-hmm. and especially with, uh, uh, you know, he was always being chased by the villagers and things like that. And so I always saw him as a sympathetic character, and and which caused some problems in school because I was always drawing Frankenstein when I was little and <laughs> the, the teachers would contact my mother and say, oh, she's drawing Frankenstein. Is there something wrong? Um, but yeah, certainly um, those films imprinted on me at a very early age, just like I'm sure m- most of you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, first, the shot where you first see the monster, he backs into the room and then turns and those, right. those progressive... Uh, push-ins on his face. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. And the subtlety of the entire film, um, even before that, it opens with a funeral. And, um, right, right. When, you know, with uh, the doctor and uh, Fritz mm-hmm. waiting for the funeral to and be over. the bell, you know, from and, just all the little pieces of the film. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and digging the body up, he literally throws dirt into a statue of death's face mm-hmm. behind him. He throws right. dirt in the face of death. Amazing. Amazing it, touch. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm with uh, Bob and uh, Lord Bloodraw. Growing up in the Bay Area, Bob Wilkins on Creature Features. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch it. My mother was a huge fan, is a huge fan of genre films and the monster films and, you know, six, seven, eight years old, I'm not understanding everything, but she would explain to me that, you know, the monster is misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he made a mistake or, you know, something like that. Or same with the creature from the Black Lagoon. You know, they're chasing him. It was humanity that was the villain more so, you know, or the monster more so than the monster, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, they, th- those films just, they resonate. And, uh, as uh, luck would have it, if you're listening to this podcast as it pops up um, within about a week on the 28th of August, Bob, is it 28th? 28th of August. 28th of yeah. August. Universal is going to be releasing 30, 36 films? 30. 30 films on Blu-ray. It'll be a, a set. You can find it online or, or in a brick-and-mortar shop. And so uh, we're just going to keep on discussing these universal monsters. And, and uh, we uh, go back to Lord Blood Raw. What are some of the uh, uh, iconic uh, moments uh, in, in some other films? Say, like, 
Dracula oh. or uh, right because that Dracula strikes me as being unique in that there wasn't a lot of music in the film you know and in Frankenstein oh, no. Bride of Frankenstein right. there's none yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, right Swan so, Lake in the beginning that's it and that's it for Dracula in the beginning mm-hmm. but then how did that mood I mean they filmed the thing during the day and then they did the Hispanic version at ah, well, night yes 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 so, um well, the, the mood of the film is, uh, of the Lugosi version, mm-hmm. directed by Todd Browning, is, I think, captured by the silence. There was a special version that was released with a... Um, Philip Glass. Philip Glass, yeah. yeah uh, soundtrack to it. I, I, it. It works, but it's not as creepy as uh-huh. the, the dead silence. So it didn't enhance it in any way? I, for, I didn't think so. Okay. I, I didn't think so, no. Um, just the the gothic look of it and mm-hmm. Lugosi's um, portrayal of that character wow. kind of, he does everything almost at just three quarter speed you mm-hmm. know? and you talk about iconic moments in Dracula it's not quite an iconic moment but it impresses me every single time I see it when he's got Renfield sitting in front of him uh, drawing, you know, with the papers and stuff, and Lugosi says this is very old wine and in the scene He's staring right at um, Renfield, staring him dead in the eye, but he's reaching over and grabbing a bottle and a goblet and pouring. Mm. And I'm thinking, how did that take multiple shots? Because (laughs) that movement was just so perfect and so supernatural in the way he's holding he's holding Renfield's gaze like a like a cobra would hold the right. gaze of a mongoose you know it's amazing yeah. it's just really really an incredible shot well was it am I right in thinking that Lugosi at the time was almost doing a lot of his dialogue phonetically you know that is I think that's more of an urban legend um, I really do I mean he was not as proficient as he became later in English, but you know, by the time he did the movie, he had played Dracula on Broadway right. for years. That's yeah. true. Yeah, he had to he had to petition uh, Universal mm-hmm. to to do that movie. Here's something interesting about the Universal films: is um, of course Dracula was the first one in 1931 mm-hmm. that's kicked off the entire monster cycle for Universal. Yeah, Lon Chaney Sr. That film was essentially meant for him. If Lon Chaney Sr. had lived, he probably would have been Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy. Hmm. He probably would have been mm-hmm. all of those characters. Wow. If he had lived. He died, hmm. I believe, um, it was 20, uh, 29 or 30. I think he died in 30, mm-hmm. 1930, and the movie was made in 30 and into 31. Right. And um, it would be interesting to see what C- uh, Lon Chaney Sr. would have done with that role, with all of those mm-hmm. roles, especially Frankenstein. Well, some alternate yeah. universe that might have yeah. happened. I, you know, yeah. I think so. I think now, so. I know. Originally, we were, we were kind of talking about the Todd Browning version versus the Spanish version. Yes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, yeah. If you want to hear um, on that. I love the Todd Browning Lugosi mm-hmm. version. But that Spanish version, uh, director, I believe, was George Melford, mm. is technically a, a better film. What Todd Brown? They used all of the same sets. And all the same sets. Yeah. What they did was they brought in the the Spanish crew at night after the day crew had filmed their scenes for Dracula, and they had the advantage of seeing the dailies 
that Todd Browning was shooting. Oh, okay. So the director basically <laughs> said, well, I can do better than that. You know? And Todd Browning, I mean, admittedly, um, it's almost as if once they get out of that castle and he gets to London, yeah. he's almost shooting a play. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. you, you can see it's ve- it's very stagey. It's 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 almost as though he's shooting something like right off of a Broadway stage, whereas George Melford, uh, his version is much more cinematic. Dracula's appearance in, uh, in in the Lugosi version, Renfield looks up, Dracula's right there. He's in the full shot mm-hmm. in the Spanish and George Melford's version. Renfield hears a sound behind him turns and there's this long sweeping crane shot that goes up the stairs and then lands on Dracula. Right. That is really, it's wonderful. It's a great moment. You know, the Spanish film doesn't have the performances mm-hmm. that that the English film does, but um, it's still, it's technically a better film. It would be interesting to see what Melford would have done with Lugosi. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the cast of the, of the English Dracula. Yeah, I will say that was the one film where Mother told me, no, he is a monster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Nothing redeeming yeah. about Dracula. Yeah. No, absolutely true. Uh-huh. Absolutely right. Yeah, he is. Uh, he relishes what he does. He enjoys what he's doing. He was, he was evil <laughs> incarnate. But, but then what about Imhotep in The Mummy? Because The uh, Mummy is in many ways a remake of Dracula. Oh, yes, true. Yeah. So, so can we say that he's... Redeemable. He's he's in love, but he's he's still a pretty awful guy. <laughs> he's obsessed with his love, and nothing else nothing else matters. Wow. But bringing back bringing back the princess that he's determined to bring to bring back. As a matter of fact, um, there were entire. It's funny the the Universal monster movies along the way have created these kind of. Um, uh, lost moments that uh, would be wonderful to find again. In The Mummy, there was an entire scene. Do you remember the scene where Karloff is there with um, the, the the female lead of the movie and they're looking into the pool and it's the whole thing of how he became the mummy and right. stole, the, mm-hmm. stole the scrolls. Da, da, da. That's a much longer sequence. There were scenes filmed in different historical periods where he catches up with right. her and loses her again. Catches mm. up with her and loses her again. I've seen a couple of stills. One, I think, was from around the time of the French Revolution or something like that. Oh, All wow. of these scenes were filmed, but they were cut out. Huh. Yeah, these yeah, are I remember kind of, reading about that. Yeah, these are kind of holy grails of film that would be wonderful to find and see again. Let me, let me ask you all this. Yeah. Uh, the difference between Emotep and, yes. and Dracula. Emotep didn't really... Relish or or and I don't want to say enjoy. He was cursed. Dracula, I guess, was cursed, but Dracula was fine with it. I I, I felt that Dracula. <laughs> you know, um, what is your guys' take on it? I mean, it. I think he enjoyed his power. Yeah, Dracula, yeah. Dracula was a monarch, mm-hmm. right? He was a monarch before he became a vampire, so right. it became very natural to him. Well, right. his character was based on Vlad the Impaler, right? right. Yeah, yeah. So. Right. right, true. Whereas Imhotep was um, uh, a high priest that fell in love and dared the wrath of the gods. Right. He he fell in love with the wrong person. Right. Uh, you know, and, and well, we don't know that it was her fault. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you know. They paid the price. They paid the price. Exactly. Exactly. 
the mummy, th- those were, that was an interesting moment in the Universal Monster things in that uh, the mummy was kind of the redheaded stepchild. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he never appeared in any of the Monster Rally films. You know, yeah. House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula, having Stella meet Frankenstein. But also the mummy series, they're not sequels to the original mummy. No. It's a it, different mummy. Right, right. Yeah. A different name. Yeah. Uh, here's the other Cars. thing, too, that I thought was right, interesting. Yeah. You know, as, as far as screen time in the original Mummy, and I suppose it's because Karloff became, you know, the the phenom in the industry that he that he was. Um, there wasn't a lot of footage of him dressed up as the Mummy. That's right. It was more Karloff as Emotep. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because you know, subsequent films after that, there was a lot more mummy in it. But did oh, yeah. did Karloff become like that big off of just the Frankenstein movies? I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's from uh, the size of his stardom mm-hmm. uh, as much as it was kind of an aesthetic choice by the by the director. Okay. I, don't, I know that it was shot. They made they made him up head to toe in that makeup. It took like eight hours or five hours or something like that. I mean, that was yeah, it's some ridiculous amount of time. Made the suit no fly, so that was an agonizing day of shooting <laughs> for Karloff. But they they, they made him up head to toe, and they actually shot footage of him coming out of the sarcophagus, walking over to the young uh, uh, archaeologist, driving him mad and leaving. Yeah, and all they did of that was you know all they kept in the movie was close up on his face, the hand moving, the hand reaching for the scroll, and then the wrappings kind of going going away. Right. So, you know, all of that agony. <laughs> for, you know, and as far as, like, the makeup on that, I mean, oh. it was... Uh, that was real makeup. That, there was no masks. There Jack was no Pierce. Mask. Jack Pierce. The great Jack Pierce. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I was reading something, or maybe I was watching um, Streff on... Taylor put out a great DVD about Jack Pierce, mm-hmm. NovemberFire.com, mm-hmm. for those of you who'd like to check it out. And um, I guess uh, you'd, you'd mentioned Lon Chaney was going to do Dracula. He passed away. Mm-hmm. Jack was doing makeup for Universal, and I guess he got away with the skin tone makeup for Dracula, but Lugosi was, was very, very uh, adamant about doing his own makeup. Yeah, and so Jack didn't get that gig other than just the apply the the makeup for the face. It wasn't until Frankenstein that he got to apply his trade, and oh, really, yeah. I mean that yeah. that makeup to me that when you think of the Frankenstein monster, iconic, it, it, right? Well, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. That's when Jack Pierce got his revenge on Bela Lugosi. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! That's oh true. yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. wasn't Lugosi uh, going to play the Frankenstein monster? He was. He was lined up to right. play the Frankenstein monster. Now, legend has it that he, he turned it down because it was not a speaking role, mm-hmm. and he didn't want to be under the makeup. Mm-hmm. That could be partially true, but the script he was also given did not have any of the kind of pathos built into it. Uh, the mm-hmm. monster was just this killing corpse. He was just this killing machine mm-hmm. lumbering around. So it's hard to say. I did, all of these, all of those things probably figured into his decision, you know, and probably mm-hmm. did major damage to his career. Lugosi could not catch a break after Dracula. <laughs> he really well, yeah, couldn't Lugosi's so performance in Frankenstein meets the Wolfman as the monster was compromised as well, right? Because Absolutely. originally the monster yeah. was supposed to be blind. Right. Mm. Rand spoke. 
they and, and they took his lines out too. Right. Yeah. But he was supposed to be blind in the studio. Said no, no, no. He can't be blind. But they had already shot all these scenes where yeah. Lugosi's kind of walking with his hands straight out, like he's feeling his way around. Right. And uh, so I, that's actually probably where like Definitely. the the Frankenstein sort of you know. Everybody thinks of Frankenstein, you know, the caricature right. of walking along with his arms out and all that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh, Karloff never moved yeah. in that way. His movement. No, Karloff was very, very human. The yeah, way he exactly. Moved. Yeah. Right. exactly. Glenn Strange mimicked that, and then every monster kid mimicked Glenn Strange. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so with, with finishing off with Jack Pierce, because we're going to talk about the monsters, mm-hmm. not the maker of monsters. He did work with Lugosi again on White Zombie, right? Yes, that's right. right? Yes, he did. So he was yes, able he to did. do the makeups on that. And that right. that's, uh, it'll be for another podcast, but I've always had a problem with zombies and ghouls because at one point uh, in time, ghouls were zombies and then the zombies became ghouls. One being flesh eating, one being sure. Haitian. Yeah, that's another podcast. Oh, there, there's so. a topic for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what I will just say that, um, White Zombie is my favorite Lugosi performance. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's wonderful in Dracula, but that character of Murder Legendre in White Zombie is phenomenal. I, I was actually at one of Lord Bloodraw's live showings of that uh, oh, yes. film. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, part of the fun of going to, to some of these shows is it's one thing to watch it at home, even if you have a you know 64-inch Dolby Digital, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in a shared environment with like-minded people and fans and, and just vibing off of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a concert or any other kind of live Agreed. event. Mm-hmm. These are just wonderful, wonderful opportunities. Well, just seeing it on a big screen. Oh, yeah. Because they were intended to be seen on the big screen. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we're going to go over to uh, Chief Engineer Bob. Um, one of the things that uh, strikes me uh, oh, let's just get into it. Bob's a big fan of Creature from the Black Lagoon. So. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you saw the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Bob? It, it, had, to be on, it had to be on Creature Features. Okay. Bob Wilkins. Yeah. And uh, I've since, of course, seen it on the big screen. Was it um, 3D or was it just It was just flat. The show. Okay. The first time I saw it 3D, I believe, was at the UC Berkeley Theater. And uh, they had a showing of it. But we did back in... I want to say it was 2006, I believe. Mm-hmm. We did all three creature films through Bay Area film events at the Castro Theater. Mm-hmm. And we showed the first two in 3D, Creature and Revenge of the Creature, and then Creature Walks Among Us flat because it was never filmed in 3D. And those were the first times I saw real quality 3D prints of those movies. Because mm-hmm. these weren't the red and blue lens type 3D. This was like the anamorphic or whatever 3D. And if you ever get a chance to see it that way, that's definitely the way to see it. And I think the uh, Universal Blu-ray, the Essentials package, has it 3D for, you know, those of you with 3D TVs. And that is a really good, really good 3D version. I think that's better than any other 3D movie I've seen on TV. Really? Just, uh, the scene with the claw and the rock just mm-hmm. comes right out into your living room. Yeah. Nice. Um, you know, and, and it's really, you know, 3D movies that are shot 3D today, they don't want to be all gimmicky. So they don't th- do things like, you know, they're swimming underwater with a spear gun and it goes right into the screen, <laughs> you know. But the creature didn't go overboard in that. 
it you know it did have things that come out of the screen bubbles come out of the screen and, and things but it wasn't that sort of like coming at you you know right. shock type stuff it wasn't a three stooges yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely and uh, yeah that creature show we did we had Julie Adams who played the main actress in for the first film. in Creature from Black Lagoon wow. we also had Ben Chapman who oh. wore the uh, creature suit on the land Rico Browning was creature underwater mm-hmm. and um and yeah, they were really, you know, Julie Adams was one of the nicest people they ever want to meet. And uh, Ben Chapman is, was just a kick. I and mean, he unfortunately passed away since then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then we also had a nice uh, opportunity to show it on the big screen at uh, AT&T Park after a Giants game on the scoreboard screen. And uh, cool. we had John Stanley, who was one of the Creature Feature hosts, host it. And uh, that was really cool everybody got to come down and you know after the game sit on the field watch, watch the movie right. and um, probably the funniest thing and this is a total side story is I got a call from Greg Kinn from the Greg Kinn band uh-huh. and he was a DJ at the time on KFOX in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area and he's like hey, I hear you're showing Creature from the Black Lagoon he goes do you need a host <laughs> and I said well We've got John Stanley from Creature Features because this is Creature Features night at the Giants game. And then he said, well, I love Creature Features. Can can I introduce John Stanley? (laughs) So I ended up introducing Greg Kinn, and Greg Kinn introduced John Stanley, and then John Stanley introduced the movie. But, um, but yeah, no, he, he he wrote a book. It was a horror show, novel, by Greg Kinn. Oh, Greg Kinn. Yeah, he's a big fan of this stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, anytime I get a chance to show the creature, um, Anytime, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Hmm. Uh, we also did a show with uh, with Frank Woodward's uh, Men in Suits documentary, oh, yeah. and we paired that up re- with Revenge of the Creature with Lord Bloodra as one of the guests. Wow, and, was that uh, that show too? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the creature, definitely, you know, I've got a little creature area in my basement with a pinball, the pinball machine and all. Definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. And um, even though it was only three movies, right. you know, it's still made a big impression on me. I'm going to say something slightly controversial. Sure, sure. I you love hate, Creature you from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> no, 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 Love Creature from the Black Lagoon. I uh, think it's an incredible film. I always, when I think of the classic Universal monsters, I never think of the Creature from the Black Lagoon. And the only reason is mm-hmm. there's nothing supernatural mm-hmm. about the Creature from the Black Lagoon. He's basically, he's a cryptid. Yeah. Is essentially yeah. what he is. He's kind yeah. of the the, the, the underwater version of, of Bigfoot. I was going to exactly. say, you're right. Exactly, yeah. right, right. When I think of the classic Universal monsters, I always think of something supernatural or mad science mm-hmm. of the Universal monsters. I love the yeah. creature, and I think that, that well, the creature, especially that first yeah, film, is amazing. The creature's been lumped in with them, obviously, for marketing yeah, purposes. For marketing purposes. But exactly. if you think about it again, too, I mean, Frankenstein, Wolfman, Dracula, that whole thing. Right. With Transylvania and you know, sort of the European landscape, and you don't, you never really know what time period this is. Oh yeah, because over there it seems very like okay, it could be like the 1800s or something. Mm -hmm. But in the Wolfman, when Lon Chaney comes in uh, as Lawrence Talbot, Mm -hmm. he's from quote modern times. Right? Yeah, he's he's a guy from like the 40s. Yeah, he's there to repair a telescope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So it's kind of like, where is this strange land? Yeah, you know? I love and, that about those. And yeah, so right. the creature being in the 50s right. was in the 50s, and it was taking place 
at that time. It was modern for the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so he never mixed it up with them. He never would have been in a swamp in Transylvania or whatever. <laughs> Although he's really I, old. Maybe. Maybe. Migrated. That's what I was thinking. Not yeah. that we know of. Not that <laughs> right. we've seen. Walker? But I, I, well, I was thinking the other day along the same lines here, because I was thinking the same thing as, as Lord Bloodraw, that the creature really is separate from the the original, more supernatural universal monsters. But if, if, if we want to play the what-if game, mm -hmm. if Universal had decided and gone full bore and established a new... Uh, a coterie of, of monsters you know I, I mean when you sort of had like the mole people but that didn't right. really take off yeah. but you know they could have gone the whole science route you could have had you know this whole new group of monsters maybe that were based off of radioactivity or whatever that would have taken the 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 next step and been you know you could have had the creature as the anchor just like maybe Frankenstein or whatever was the anchor the big brute guy and then yeah. what would these other monsters these humanoid monsters have been because we had plenty of big bugs and other stuff but right. mm. what would the humanoid well they did they did all mix it up in Monster Squad. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. But, yeah. but again, it was like, yeah, you get the fish out of water, so to speak, right? Right. Yeah. He doesn't belong because he's right. not. Fish out of water, exactly. So you'd, you'd have creature from the Black Lagoon, some form of Sasquatch, sure. right? Or a skunk ape or, you know, whatever. Right. You know. Well, Ooh. if you're going with radiation as the catalyst, you could... Or, kind of semi fit the invisible man in there. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, right. invisible yeah. Man. yeah. Some kind of radiation or something. Yeah. 50, 50 foot, foot woman. woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. A blob. Jer uh, Jersey yeah. devil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. We should do a thing on cryptozoology, actually. Yeah, we should. Actually. Uh, I, I, you know, amongst us, I have gone squatching. I don't know if anyone else has gone squatching. Really? I actually spent the night in the Bigfoot Inn. Any luck? Nah. Uh. <laughs> Had a Bigfoot steak at the Bigfoot diner. That was <laughs> as close as you got. Yeah. You know, it's just Chewbacca, like, scouting out locations. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, a distant cousin. Right. Walker, let me ask you. Uh, tell me something about the Wolfman. I'll tell you something about the Wolfman. Ow. Wolfman's Ow. got nards. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think um, of all the monsters, I would say poor Larry Talbot. You yeah. know, he's the most sympathetic, right? I agree. Because right. he, uh, you know, he just uh, after he finds out that he's the Wolf Man, he simply wants to die. It's, right? it's, yep. He's on some sort of horrible assisted suicide quest. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's it's Lon Chaney Jr.'s uh, best role. You know, mm. it's the one. Um, that he would tell everybody was, you know, that's his baby. And he was um, really uh, excited about and really the one he seemed to care the most about. And, and I think you have also in the, the first Wolfman, um, initially, as, as far as I understand, there was also the idea in the initial script um, that it could have all been in his mind that Talbot might have been oh, thinking right. he was a wolf man. And we wouldn't that. necessarily uh, know if he, he was or wasn't. But then when they decided, oh, we're going to do the full makeup and everything, then it was pretty much, oh, yeah, he's a wolf man. Um, they kind of reprised I, that idea in Abbott and Costello, uh, you know, because it's like Abbott didn't quite believe that he was the wolf man. Oh, yeah. When he called and he's like, well, yeah. you stop barking at me. Sorry, Walker. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Go off on the side. Go ahead and finish your thoughts. Sorry. 
No, but I think I like that concept, and I think if you watch the movie, there's still some some uh, elements of that where you kind of question his sanity at certain times. Uh, that maybe you know maybe he isn't turning into something, but the fact that we see the transformations pretty much sells it. And I, I do really um, love the makeup. I love the transformations, the moodiness of it all. Oh, yeah. And and you could argue that they have some of the best uh, supporting actors in that. Oh, uh, yeah. Especially mm-hmm. Maria Ospenskaya. I just mm-hmm. love and adore oh, her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, in a small Bella, I was going to say, yes, was in there too. Very short, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't get to say a whole lot, but as uh, Maliva's uh, son, of right. course, bites uh, Larry and right. starts this whole thing. Actually, I think uh, also wound up, uh, he was the one who attacked Larry's brother, which is what brings Larry back to right. uh, it's Wales, but they never say Wales mm-hmm. out loud. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of a, an odd uh, situation where we're supposed to believe that this big burly Lon Chaney Jr. is actually an Englishman who's been <laughs> over in America for a while. And Claude Rains, little Claude Rains is his father. But, you know, it's OK. We'll go with it. I, I have to say something. All these years, I never thought about that Walker. <laughs> it just now made me think. Oh, the- Oh my God, that's true. He just ruined the film for you. Well, once again, Walker. No, the thing kidding. that always amazed me about the Wolfman, especially his first transformation, is that he be, he turns from meek, mild Larry Talbot into a raging beast, and still has it in his mind that he changes his clothes and yeah. has the nice slacks and the shirt on yep. as he goes off into yep. the countryside. And that's right. That's right. Still neat discounts. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I did want to ask you. I've got two questions I wanted everybody to uh, to throw out to everybody, and one of them I'm going to wind up because the conversation has gone this direction. I'm, I'll I'll reverse <laughs> reverse the order I had in mind. Um, the first thing, since we're on the Wolfman, of course, the Wolfman is the only one of the original monsters that was only played by one actor. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Jr., true. only person to play the Wolfman. Is there anybody, put on your what-if foil hats, guys, uh-huh. is there anybody else in that whole 1940s time era of universal films that you think could have played a good Wolfman, and then I'll ask my second question after you guys go around. I would say Wolfman, yes. Talbot, no. Mm. I don't think anyone else could have played Larry Talbot as well as Lon Chaney Jr. did. That's a good point. You can slap that Wolfman makeup on anybody and they can run around the countryside, but Mm. to garner the sympathy and the pathos that Lon Chaney Jr. did with his portrayal of Lawrence Talbot mm. I don't think he could do it I don't even think like a Karloff could pull that off it would be interesting to see Karloff try and pull that off well Karloff was originally thought of for the Wolfman oh really that's yeah. right at the very beginning it was originally huh. said I wasn't going to do it Wow, you know, I'm going to say no I, I can't I mean if you go outside of the Universal films maybe like a Paul Muni or someone like that or mm. um Maybe. No, I, I, lit, I cannot picture anyone else playing either the Wolfman or Larry Talbot. Huh. Mm-hmm. Just because of the physicality yeah. of it, you need a big guy to be an imposing Wolfman, you know. Well, it's, uh, you know, for me, I just love, I love werewolf movies mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. general. And I really think that 
the other actor who pulled off being a werewolf well for the best mm-hmm. was Michael Landon. Oh. And I was a teenage werewolf. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you think of it, oh, I was a teenage werewolf, cheap 50s AIP movie. But no, man, you look at that thing and you watch that movie. And his, because, you know, he's not, he's not sympathetic like a Lawrence Talbot, but he's a troubled teen yeah. going yeah. through, you know, all the problems of, you know, his mother's gone, dead, whatever. Mm-hmm. He's being just raised by a single parent father. And, you know, he's getting in fights in school and he's got all these problems. They're sending him to a psychiatrist. Never go to Whitbissell if you have to go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> but goes to a psychiatrist and you know this it just I think his and considering that was his first role yeah I, mean, I thought yeah. that was amazing yeah so you know yeah, give me Michael Landon and Lon Chaney Jr. hormones and a curse sure. doesn't and, mix uh, well werewolves yeah. werewolves yeah. are full well, it's I'm trying to remember now. It's been a while since I've seen that film, but mm-hmm. it's not a curse, right? With uh, I was oh, a teenage, the teenage. No, it's scientifically this, induced by the psychiatrist rage. through yeah, this right. chemical yeah. he had and hypnosis. Yeah, and so yeah. he injected him with a with a chemical and he hypnotized him and then brought him back to his primal yeah. state, which we you all would think would be an ape, right? right? You know? Yeah, exactly. But no, it's a werewolf, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it's definitely not, you know, yeah. a curse or he was never bitten by a werewolf. Yeah, yeah. And the people he bit or killed or whatever never became I'm still trying to wrap was, my head around Karloff as Talbot. What do you no. mean, curse? Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Although I would buy him as, uh, well, uh, the age differences would probably be yeah. weird. I could yeah. buy him almost more as uh, uh, Claude Rains' son. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And, yeah, and the English son. look. He looks like yeah. he's from Welsh. Yeah. What do you uh, think, Larry? You I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say Peter Laurie just because I like the way he sounds. <laughs> <laughs> but could he be sympathetic? He's not too physically imposing, though. No, no, yeah. He'd be more just... like a rat man. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say a, a, a little furry Peter Laurie coming at you on a moonlit night. That's scary. That's scary. That's yeah. Abbott and Costello meets the uh, uh, Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the rap. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm just gonna add the yeah. the amazing thing about the original Wolfman film mm-hmm. is you watch that film and you think, oh, okay, this is from old Eastern European legend. Kurt Siodmak made all of that up. That's really all of it. None of it. None yeah. of it comes mm-hmm. from original folklore. I mean, there were there were werewolves in folklore, uh-huh. but it was a thing where you had to become a were you had to want to become a werewolf, and there was a, a satanic ritual that you would go through. And you, so, no wolf's vein, no moon, no, and silver wolf, bullet. Full, none yeah. of that. None of that. Kurt Siodmak invented all of it. Well, it's, ama- yeah, well, it's amazing that that America. carried through so many. Werewolf movies oh, that yeah. followed. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, yeah. let me ask my second part of my question for you guys. Yes, then. that was a very good question. Yes, by the way. thank you. And, and I would thank encourage you. listeners to put down your thoughts on our uh, blogspot page. Uh, who would you uh, envision of that classic uh, list of actors playing Talbot and/or the Wolfman? Go ahead, Walker. So now it's sort of a, a reversal because we also just talked about uh, Bela Lugosi playing Frankenstein. We know there were four actors mm-hmm. who played the Frankenstein monster. Mm-hmm. Now, other than Boris Karloff, because I believe you all have good taste, <laughs> which which other actor is your favorite 
Frankenstein monster. Or if you really want to say somebody other than Karloff, go ahead. Before we get into that, I'd like to know what Karen's answer was to the Talbot Wolfman oh, yes. question. I, I honestly, I'm like, uh, Bob, I think I could see a number of actors who could um, pull off the Wolfman. Uh-huh. But I, I just can't imagine anybody uh, doing Larry Talbot. He's just, he's so, you know, so sad. He's so mm-hmm. tormented. Right. And I, I tried to think of uh, different actors from that time period, and especially ones who had been in uh, in Universal Films. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. I, I just couldn't come up with anybody who could really do both. So I think I think that role, he just owns it, and yeah. that's all there is to it. All right. Lionel Atwill, maybe? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going back to our favorite Frankenstein monster? So, so other, yeah, so, uh, so which Bella? Frankenstein? Well, wasn't it, wasn't it Jack Pierce that his favorite to make up was actually Glenn Strange? Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't. I, I know that he, he thought, collaborated he thought Glenn with Strange Karloff. had the perfect physical features in his face to be the monster, yeah. even more so than a Karloff or anyone else. I'd heard that. I'd heard that. But, yeah. I mean, you got to say Karloff was the best. But oh, yeah. So yeah. aside from Karloff, then. yeah. Well, you know, you go, we can go back. Others. You can go back to Lon Chaney Jr. and Ghost of Frankenstein. He was quite good uh, in that. I'm yeah. sticking with Peter Laurie. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think uh, well, for my, mine, mine's always Fred Gwynn, but uh, ah, 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 no, I monsters. mean, really, it's like I think Lugosi. You can't really count Lugosi because his portrayal of the monster was compromised, yeah, as we talked yeah. about before. Yeah. So, what would his portrayal? Would it, what would have it been like if he had dialogue? Or he wasn't supposed to be blind, and he was just acting like mm-hmm. the monster. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's rough because I mean, Glenn Strange. It's like, okay, is Glenn, was Glenn Strange portrayal was that a good portrayal, or was it just sort of a conglomeration of Frankenstein's up until then? Yeah, you know? mm. that he just carried it on, almost like uh, you know. A generic Frankenstein. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah. I, I I liked his portrayal. I mean, you know, he, uh, I saw the original Frankenstein, but I loved and love Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. That, to me, is just... Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and maybe it's the guys that are kind of vibing off, off Frankie and, uh, yeah. and Drac and stuff, well, but... Uh, yeah. I think, for me, I go with Strange hmm. after Karloff, just because of mostly the... Aesthetics. Just, yeah. I think he looks the most like the way the monster should look. Because for me, I mean, Bela just looks dreadful to me. <laughs> yeah, and, no, face and, is and way the, too round. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the same kind of with uh, Cheney. I mean, he's just got this like too thick brawler too thick. kind of look. I want a more cadaverous monster. So that's just just my two cents. But what about what about appearance versus portrayal, though? Yeah. Well, they're all pretty much brainless after a certain point. Uh, you know, they're getting hit by lightning so many times. And, yeah. you know, but even by Son of Frankenstein, you start to see the, the brain damage with Karloff. Right. You know, so. Right. Yeah. He starts to, to lose any personality after a while. Hmm. I guess he's still got a little in Ghost of Frankenstein. 
and then you you get the brain transfer with Igor. Right. Um, I don't know. I'll still probably go with Strange. So is Igor Frankenstein through all the rest of the films? Igor, yeah, Igor is the yeah. monster after um, Ghost of Frankenstein. Ghost, yeah. no. That's yeah. why he was supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice. That's why the cast right. Lugosi supposed to speak in Lugosi's voice and also be blind because science because the blood types didn't match and they didn't feed the optical uh, nerves wow science okay. so that's why i just thought it was because he speak. landed in a sulfur pit but. well that didn't help <laughs> <laughs> but being you know talking about those holy grails of lost films all of those scenes with lugosi speaking as the monster were shot hmm. where they are yeah. now if there are any out there who knows i hold out hope that it might be found but, oh yeah. that would be cool yeah i gotta say in Ghost of Frankenstein, Chaney was probably given the most to do of any other actor who played the monster because he expresses desires, he expresses wants. Um, he, where there's the scene where he gets the little girl and wants her brain in his mm-hmm. head <laughs> instead of Igor's brain. Mm. I've, I've, got, I've got a couple of controversial theories about Igor and the monster, too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, he does things for We'll, leave that for, <laughs> we'll yes. leave that for Planet 8 after dark. Yeah. There you go. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm going to say Cheney because I think that um, mm-hmm. Ghost of Frankenstein was probably the last film in which the monster was an actual character. And wasn't just a lumbering robot. Because all the other films, it seems like they're just trying to fix him. Mm-hmm. You know, the monster's yeah. sick. We need to get him up to full strength. And they get him to full strength. He's there for five minutes and then the movie ends, right? Yeah. So, yeah. true. I'm going to say Cheney. All right. Good answers. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Yes. Uh, we touched on Dracula, mummy, creature, right. Frankenstein. Yes. Wolfman, other classic Universal monster. We're gonna have to talk yeah. about the Invisible Man. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, probably my enthusiastic. least my least favorite of all. Is it really? Yeah, oh. and I don't know why. I was never into the Invi- Invisible Man films. In fact, when all the DVD sets were coming out, I bought all except for the Invisible Man because right. I thought it was more. Or did you buy it and it's just invisible? Uh, oh. <laughs> No, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, th- I always thought it was more of a gimmick than anything else. Well, it's definitely Maybe like the original, science fiction. Yeah. The original yeah. film, yes. But then all the sequels just oh, got yeah. real silly and whatever. So yeah. I mean, that could be said about some of the Frankenstein sequels, oh, he's, too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah, and the mummy. to the extreme. But no, I was just never into the Invisible Man character. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I... Love the original Invisible Man, and the Invisible Man returns with Vincent Price. Oh, that yeah. was his first uh, horror performance, really. Really, was in yeah, was in oh. the Invisible Man Returns. Was the first is oh. first touching on you yeah. know, horror themes. Um, yeah, Invisible Man, really fun film, amazing special effects. Oh yeah, um, only touched on some of the motifs of the original novel. Well, if you want to talk about that, Frankenstein didn't touch on much of the <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it overall. But then again, it, what, is he, was he a monster? Right. 
Was he a monster? I, I don't know. He was he definitely was a, a lunatic. He was a lunatic. He was a lunatic. Yeah. Well, it's like Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's not really a monster. It's just that yeah. you're taking this thing out of its habitat and, you yeah. know. Yeah, he was a, he was an, uh, a mad drug addict. A mad, invisible drug addict is what he was. Yeah, when you, when you boil him down. And then they, you know, screwed him up chemically. Yeah, right. Made exactly. him worse. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you worse. know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Karen? You know, I, I like the first one. It's probably another one of those properties that when they tried to milk it, you've got diminishing returns. Um, yeah. The first one is great. There's a lot of, of, of you know, uh, amazing. For the time, the effects were amazing. Yeah. Um, some classic scenes. You know, and I was thinking about the effects, too, um, right. in these films. And, of course, now, you know, you, you people look at them and say, oh, look at that. It's obviously a you know miniature castle or this that or the other but as a kid you know you watch these movies and you're just like glued to the screen and uh i i if i'm if you guys don't mind me digressing a little bit here not at all um i was just thinking the other day because uh, i was re-watching some of these films and uh, i i remember when the uh you know, before when Universal milked us before for a box set that uh, what was it? Oh, the Blu-rays that came out or yeah. whichever set. Why well, I, I forget. I Laser discs. I, you know, I bought so many sets, but I hadn't yeah. seen uh, I hadn't seen Frankenstein meets the Wolfman in in years. You know, and I was really excited. Oh, I'm going to watch Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, and I had all these memories of that. You know, the fight and all the other stuff in it, and I was like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. And I put it in, and there's that. In the beginning where, uh, you know, uh, Talbot turns into the wolf man and he's running around the town and he's sneaking behind these crates and he attacks this police officer. And in my mind, I still had my like eight year old memory of like, oh, my God, he climbs to this huge pile of crates and he leaps down and he assaults this police officer. (laughs) Well, in reality, he kind of hops on top of this one crate that's about (laughs) two feet high and then he kind of hops off and he jumps behind this guy. (laughs) And I'm watching this and I'm like, what the hell did I miss something? I rewind (laughs) it. I go back. I'm like. Oh, okay. And you, you know, and then we get to the lab fight, and you know, it's sort of like, oh, they're kind of rolling on the floor. Okay, the water came. It's over. And yeah. and it wasn't like it was disappointing because I still enjoyed it and everything. But you realize, like now, you go and you watch some of these movies. It's just like we saw a movie the other night. I won't say what it was. Maybe it was something really awful, like The Rock's latest film. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the CGI and stuff that they do, every human being is beyond superhuman, oh, and yeah. they're, like, jumping 500 feet, and they're doing all these things, and so we're, like, conditioned to see all these insane stunts and stuff, you know? And now we go, I go back and watch one of these movies, and it's sort of like, oh, the Wolfman hopped two feet. Well, <laughs> you know, that one in the lab fight, the one shot that always got me, and still to this day I'm impressed, is when Wolfman is on top of that one piece of machinery, yeah. and Frankenstein grabs it and tips it, and you know, he falls off. That was actually a great stunt, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When's the last time you saw the film, Bob? 
No, just kidding. <laughs> Very recently. I watch these all the time. No, but, yeah, uh, no, that shot works. That shot works yeah. pretty well, yeah. 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 Well, and they, I mean, obviously, they're all on wires or whatever, but it's like, yeah. you know. But I mean, it's, it's still, it's very it's still cool magical, scene. but no, it's no, just kind yeah, of Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, you go back and you see some of the stuff and you're like, you know, oh, it's, oh, it, but but for me, I'll, I'll always love them because they're in my heart and it's stuff oh, I yeah. grew up with, yeah. you know. Well, and I don't really want to see somebody go back and, like, do a Van Helsing again. That was oh, oh, right. so Well, um, I mean. Or hopefully they don't go in and CGI and fix up quote-unquote yeah. scenes and then it's like oh you know okay well cgi uh karloff doing this or cheney yeah. doing that it's like no just well i was always just so amazed that i mean everybody wants their avengers everybody wants their mm-hmm. film franchise and universal did it yes you know 70 80 years they ago they did it yeah you know and so it just amazed me that they couldn't do it again and they they kicked it off with a really bad mummy oh. movie with Tom uh, yeah. Cruise and just shot themselves right in the foot. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize, well, okay, it was a crummy movie. Let's get one of the other ones out there. But I mean, the one Wolfman with uh, Del Toro, Toro, yeah, I was good. That film, yeah, that would have been a perfect There's one to your kick kickoff. off from. Yes. Yeah. but I not, agree. not this mummy thing. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. and yeah, the. It just makes me think that nobody involved in Universal Studios today ever saw any of those movies. Right. Because they're saying, you know, the the entire premise was, well, we're going to build a monster universe just like Marvel's universe. It's like, no, Marvel (laughs) built their universe years after Universal built their monster universe. People have to give Kevin Feige Feige credit because he has orchestrated this thing from the get go. Right. And he has a love and a passion for the characters, for right. the genre, for the books, the right. source material, and there's a reverence. And look, a lot of fanboys have tried to do a lot of, and I'm thinking Jack Snyder off the top of my head, tried to do justice to some properties out there, mm-hmm. and they you know, had varying degrees of success. Yeah. And I think the same thing with, with the Universal Monsters. I still haven't seen that Dracula uh, film that came oh, out where I they did. tried to make him into a super yeah. hero or a hero kind of person. That's a yes. problem. They're trying to make all the monsters into superheroes. It's yeah, kind of- I, you know, uh, I, I'm with Karen though. Get, you 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 watch something like from your youth, and and this happened to me with the Star Trek animated series. Oh yeah, yeah, it yeah. comes on Sundays, yes. <laughs> and I'm watching it. I'm like. Oh wow, this really stinks. I mean, the dialogue, <laughs> the stories are great, but yeah. it's just the it's it's like watching those Marvel cartoons. It's the yeah, same beyond limited little, animation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I love those Marvel cartoons. Let me tell you, I, I, I love them too, <laughs> but they're a little hard to watch. It's it's yeah. good as background noise, but yeah. Well, going back to what you said about. Uh, the original Universal films kind of being like a world out of time. You, know, right, you don't oh, yeah. know what time period you're in or what country you're in or whatever. That is exactly what Universal is missing in trying mm-hmm. to launch. They, they feel they've got to do it in the modern age or mm-hmm. the kids aren't going to relate. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. they, they don't realize that the magic in that is it's some far off world and land where this stuff exists. And, and it can work happens. today. We were it talking can easily work about today. Incredibles 2. They don't give you any reference to whether it's taking now, 20 years ago, 20 years from now. Sure, It it just, it works, you know? There was an amazing series on Showtime. Uh, 
that I'm blanking on what it was called. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Penny Dreadful. Oh, oh Penny oh, Dreadful. Yeah. Yes. That very good. That's how you do the Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. Mm-hmm. And they did it right there. They laid it out for Universal. Here, here you go. This is what it should look like. You can't tell me with people going crazy over like Game of Thrones mm-hmm. that you couldn't have a monster universe with castles Easily. and you Easily. know yeah. countrysides and whatever. You know? We we need to bring Lord Bloodraw back for a uh, Penny Dreadful. Uh, oh, glad lasted all of three seasons. Yeah, I think there's a graphic novel or a comic yes, book there is. that they tried to. Yes, and I haven't gotten that yet. But um, oh, I have to get that. Oh yeah. my! I mean, if you guys haven't seen it, start watching the episodes uh-huh. now. So when we finally do the podcast, you can catch up. <laughs> it's done in the Victorian yes. period, mm-hmm. so there's no castles or, or anything like that. Right. But my God, I mean, they just brought everyone in. They brought that. everyone in, and and it was very organic and yes. and. Uh, Anyway, wonderful we'll, show, wonderful show. But that's how you do yeah. it. That's, that's, that's how, how you do it. I agree. I have a question for you guys. Yes, sir. Sorry. I know we're talking about the unit. Well, first of all, Frankenstein. I think we can all agree that the monster Frankenstein mm-hmm. has the best character arc of mm-hmm. any of the characters in the Universal True. monster films. You True. can follow him from creation through his apex in uh, Bride of Frankenstein Mm -hmm. where he's the most Mm -hmm. intelligent, most functional to his slow descent into just a a shambling Igor. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Into a shambling, you know, Hulk. Um, What is your favorite non-universal adaptation of Frankenstein? Mm -hmm. Either just a Frankenstein movie or Mm -hmm. the original Frankenstein Mm -hmm. film. Uh, Any Mungo. You know, there was actually... Uh, <laughs> and Bob goes. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody's silent, so yeah. someone has to talk. <laughs> go, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Might as well be me. Um, there was an amazing made-for-TV adaptation. Yes. And it was a, a two-parter, right? So it was pretty long, because I think the whole thing is like three hours or something, because I think it was like two... Okay, you're not thinking, you're not talking about the one I'm thinking of, but go ahead. I was thinking of Frankenstein, The True Story. story. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And I'm, yes. I'm pretty sure it was like on two nights, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it was two... So where they had the body parts the boiling in a oh, yeah. tub yes, of water or right, something, right, and right. the Carradine uh, played the monster, right? Palidale, yeah. Um, James Mason. Was it James Mason? It. Oh, you're James right, Mason's you're right. Okay. But, I mean, that was, you know... Is to that, that point, DVD that box? was the... Mm-hmm. You know, I think it is. It is, um, yeah. Um, and to that point, I think that was the truest adaptation of the As he started novel. to decay and stuff. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and he's not really a, a monster per se. Yeah. You know, he's just... He's, he was reanimated by dead parts, but then, you know, things start going wrong and he's, you know, yeah. decaying and things. But uh, I thought, you know, that always stuck out in my mind as, as, a, as a good... Adaptation, Walker. Hmm. Well, since I'm the the comic book nut, uh-huh. um, Frankenstein Junior. <laughs> I was well. No, she, I know where she's going. <laughs> Come on, Buzz. You think you know where I'm going? Ah. Um, there was a a uh, graphic novel put out a, a couple of years ago by Dark Horse called Frankenstein Underground. Okay, yeah. Ooh. And it was by Mike Mignola, the guy who does uh, Hellboy, Hellboy, and an artist mm. called uh, Ben Stenbeck. And my memory is not this good. I had to actually do a quick look up 
I actually I did a review of this a couple of years ago on our old Bronze Age Babies blog. Um, but it, it's it's a really cool story about uh, the Frankenstein monster having to go rescue some people in a basically you know if you um, have ever read any stuff about like. Uh, Oh, like underground civilizations, uh, people living under the earth, that kind of thing. He finds this civilization underground, and there's all these Cthulhu-type cultists. Ooh. and So it's not really an adaptation of the novel, but um, I just – I was fascinated with it. It is just a beautiful work of – comic art and a great story so um it probably doesn't really answer your question because when i think of, of uh <laughs> movies and things i, I don't no, I can't come up with anything to match up to uh to the universal one in my mind so that's no, comic, that'll be my comic adaptations are perfectly viable yeah sure. I, I thought she was gonna go with the classic marvel uh, Frankenstein. Well, nothing really beats oh. Mike Plug. If you can get Mike Plug art on a comic, and especially no. in a horror comic, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll thumbs up on that. Yeah, yeah. I because uh, I was thinking just uh, it, it, with with Karloff being as iconic. You know, when people think Frankenstein's monster, they think Karloff. Yeah. If I think of a comic book version, it's it's that Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're a zombie. Monster you know, the Marvel zombie. Oh, it's like yeah. boom. That's you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm going over my head. The bride, uh, Sting, was in it, and I, I can't think of the name of the actor. It was a Frankenstein? That was a good story, but not so good for the monster. Um, what was the one that um... Andy Warhol? <laughs> Which has one of my favorite movie lines ever, and, and this is a family podcast, so I can't say. <laughs> Planet, uh, Planet Aid After Dark. I think yes. Robert De Niro did a good job. Uh, um, it was an interesting take. He's, he's playing the flute in the cave, and, and I can't remember who he's talking to, but he's wondering, am I the creation playing the flute or is it the brain that my creator gave me right. that's playing the flute? Or is it the left hand right. that it belonged to someone else or the right yeah. hand? How I, can I do this? Yeah, I, I will never know if it's me or them or us or what. Mm-hmm. That was really interesting. But mm-hmm. by far, besides uh, Karloff, my favorite Frankenstein is always going to be young Frankenstein. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Peter Boyle. To me, Peter Boyle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just that. I I love that uh wow. film. That is a yeah. really good one. That exactly. Really good wow. One. Oh smoke, it's good, good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I can always bring up Frankenstein Conquers the World. There I was you gonna go. say yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. great War of the Gargantuas connection, right? That's right. Right. Yeah. right, yeah. That was a good question. So I gotta say my favorite. The reason mm-hmm. I <laughs> I was, was gonna say <laughs> there was there anything left for blood rock. <laughs> Uh, back in the 70s, Dan Curtis, who did uh, Dark, Shadows, Dark Shadows, did a series of late night movies. Mm-hmm. He did Dracula, he did uh, Dark Shadow, Mr. Hyde, and he did a version of Frankenstein huh. with an actor named Bo Svensson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, As the monster. Oh, yeah. And I recently saw it again. It's on Amazon video, on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay. okay. And I recently saw it again. I remember loving it. Uh, when I saw it, but I was a kid, and it was years ago that I'd seen it. His portrayal of the monster is one of the most heartbreaking, touching. Uh, it, it, 
he's never frightening like the original Frankenstein mm-hmm. the Carlos Frankenstein yeah, yeah. he's never all of that all that frightening but he is so touching and his performance I can only describe it as a dramatic Herman Munster hmm. because, not in the look or anything and the look is nothing like Carlos Frankenstein or Herman Munster but mm-hmm. he always has this childlike little like, kind of screwed up grin on his face like like Herman does yeah. you mm-hmm. know but instead of being that childlike he's plotting things to do to his master or he's just trying to communicate with someone and trying to reach out and trying to be loved by someone it is fantastic I I, I believe it's been released on DVD I'm pretty sure I know it's on Amazon I'm gonna but check Dan that Curtis's out Frankenstein is really wonderful do Jeff they, do they have the Dracula and the other stuff on there too do you know, or just a friend? I haven't found it there. I've got Dan Curtis's Dracula on DVD, okay, which is pretty good. Jack Palance makes a pretty good Dracula, pretty oh. imposing mm-hmm. Dracula. Yeah, All right. yeah. but um, no, that Frankenstein is really. I highly recommend I'll that. Check I really it out. enjoyed it. Yeah. And now, yeah, as a bonus, I mean, I, I love uh, Young Frankenstein, but yes. we were talking about Penny Dreadful. Yes, that portrayal of the monster. Um, I, I can't even like speak to to yeah. how fantastic and diverse and and all the emotions of love hate disdain right. uh, acceptance uh, uh, that person did it justice and you can't beat that entrance oh <laughs> man <laughs> we Rory will do Kinnear. a penny okay. what's that walker Rory Kinnear Rory we will have to do a penny dreadful oh, wow. uh, yeah. podcast yeah. maybe that'll that be our Christmas so episode right <laughs> <laughs> on uh, any last thoughts? Any last comments? Okay, this is the point in our podcast where we usually have our sensor sweep, but because we have our special guest with us today, Lord Blood Raw, we want to give you an opportunity to share with the audience uh, web page, uh, Twitter, Facebook, upcoming shows. Um, you, you have a, a very strong presence on uh, this thing that they have on planet Earth called a television. Uh, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and share with us and plug some of... Uh, how, how can we find you? Well, yeah, television's a, a primitive uh, form of entertainment <laughs> at best. But, uh, I would invite everyone to check out Lord Blood Raw's Nerve Rack and Theater. Uh, it's my syndicated TV series in which I present the best, worst, and wildest horror and science fiction films ever made. Uh, you can uh, the best way to find it is to go to lordbloodraw.com l o r d b l o o d r a h.com go to the tv schedule and you can check out the various streaming options and uh, tv stations that you can that you can catch that on uh, yeah check out the website and look around and there are various other things on there too you might find interesting as far as live shows go it's very fortuitous we're talking about uh, universal horror films I, uh, as a matter of fact, this is my 10th year in a row of doing shows at the Chenard Winery in mm. Castro Valley, California. As a matter of fact, that's the very first place I ever presented a horror film. That's oh. the birthplace of Lord Bloodraw, so to speak. And um, this year, the 2018 season is the 10th season. And coming up September 1st, Saturday, September 1st, I am showing the original Dracula and the original Frankenstein. Fantastic. In a double feature. And uh, these are really great, unique events because it's outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Doors open at 6 o'clock. The show isn't until like 8.30 or dark because it's outside. Pack a picnic. 
bring it in. Uh, you can uh, taste and purchase award-winning wines. Enjoy your wine with your picnic, and then we launch into the show. So they're very unique and fun uh, fun shows to do. Great. Yeah. What if you never drink wine? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll start that. <laughs> these are good. These are good enough to make an exception for. It. Yes, right. There are other options there. For <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, okay, let me um, ask as far as like conventions or anything coming up. Uh, well, we just uh, had our seventh uh, Creatures Con, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a roaring success. And uh, we'll be back next year. We're um, we're thinking probably in the same venue. We're not quite sure. Okay. Plans are still being made for the 2019. Uh, Creatures Com, but um, it's for those of you who don't know, it's a convention dedicated to classic and camp horror and science fiction films, horror hosts and horror hosts and monster kid culture. And um, over the years, because this is our well, 2019 will be our uh, eighth year of doing mm-hmm. it. We've developed quite a few uh, interesting um, features of the convention. It's a unique convention in that we. We really emphasize the programming and the shows that happen on the stage. Right. Uh, this last year, as a matter of fact, in 2017, I was lucky enough to interview Caesar from the Planet of the Apes while we were in, uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Planet of the Apes. Right. Um, but our ongoing features are Mega Chiller Theater, mm-hmm. in which we take a classic horror film and a whole host of horror hosts present it. So it's essentially a late night movie with a number of horror hosts instead of just one horror host presenting it. Right. And uh, we've also resurrected something that Bob Wilkins created called the Monster Movie Quiz. And that, and that's yeah. And we do that live on stage. It's uh, basically a, a panel game show. We have celebrities up on the stage and we test their knowledge of classic horror and science fiction. And uh, at the end of the thing, they pick names out of a hat of audience members and the audience members get the uh, get the prizes. It's a lot of fun. And of course, John Stanley is back as the uh, expert as, as Bob had him in the original and uh, it's, it's very fun and we're hoping to add more more regular features as uh, Creatures Con progresses. Right, right. And I, I you know, I recommend you guys take a chance uh, go out there uh, see the shows follow Lord Blood Raw um, you know, there's a whole bunch of good stuff going on uh, throughout the year. So um, we appreciate all of you listening to us. Uh, this has come to the conclusion of this podcast. The transmission is brought to you by the fine folks over at... No, just kidding. <laughs> we don't have any sponsors yet. Um, no, but seriously, we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, share this with your friends. Share it with your family. Uh, if you want to find us out on the webs, the interwebs, you can go to planetatepodcast.blogspot.com. Um, you can be involved with this podcast. The conversation continues. Give us comments. Give us ideas. Give us, uh, you know, questions and, and so forth. Um, you can also find us on Twitter, PlanetateCast, or on Facebook at Facebook Planetate Podcast. We appreciate you guys. Be good to each other. Be safe. And until we see you again, this is Planet 8 signing off and transmission. And so, until we meet again, may all your nightmares have happy endings in the final reel. Good night and sleep well. Well.